0: As we continue coming to the finish of the second week of Advent, we continue to hear, especially in the first reading and the psalm, constant promise and fruitfulness, and and the expectation that change will come and things will come together. Justice and peace will kiss. It's it's idyllic. It's it's an incredible an incredible uh, spirit of hope that is placed before us. But consequently. Also, the gospel often seems to be um, a rejection of it because of the people who have been given the promise, yet they don't seem to let it in or they mistake it. And we'll come to a huge climax this Sunday in the gospel where uh, John the Baptist, um, according to Luke, the cousin of Jesus, but uh, in Matthew, uh, he doesn't seem to know Jesus at all. But. Today we hear this scene and Jesus is speaking to the crowds and, and he gives a comparison. But he's, he's giving a commentary on this crowd, this generation. And we do this, we call the X generation, then we, then we give a commentary. Well, you know, they're this, that. And, and each generation, we, we seem to feel good if we can label them somehow. But Jesus labels them. And he says, what's this generation like? And he compares them to children in the marketplace. Now, if you've ever seen children get together, they they play around and they 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 start to do things. They they can treat people like they're monkeys out there. Come on, let's do this and see what they'll do. Let's clap and let's play this, let's throw this. And they do these things to provoke the people around them and to see what they'll do. Jesus says, this generation is like that. Look it. They're like children in the marketplace. And they start calling out to one another and they say, we played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. We played a dirge, you didn't sing. And they're trying to get them to do things. And then he steps back and makes a bigger statement. Now that's a commentary of what the generation's like. And then he says, but look at what they do. They judge and they misjudge. John comes. He doesn't eat or drink wine or anything. He's simple, he's plain, he's repentant, he's, he's prophetic. He's calling the people to, to, to change their lives. And what do they say about this? Well, this holy man, he's possessed by a demon. Really? He's possessed by a demon. Then Jesus comes and does the opposite. He eats and drinks with them. And they say, look, he's a drunkard. So no matter what happens before them, They judge it, they misjudge it. They don't seem to get it, they don't see the importance. And then the final line, he says, wisdom is vindicated by our works. Wait and see what happens. See the fruit. Well, two things strike me about that. Number one is, they misjudge so badly that they will put him to death. But the beauty of it is that even by killing Jesus, They can't squash the fruit of his message. In fact, it becomes even more true. In fact, by killing him and putting him on a cross, they force out of him, or what does come out of him, is that in the face of hatred, he can love. In the face of injustice, he can forgive. That's a very powerful message. That's the gift that is given to us. But the other piece of it is... As we read, I always, what's on the page? This is what's going on on the page. How does it uh, include us or call out of us? What, what does it do to us? And we have to ask ourselves, are we like that generation? Do we judge one another? Do we see one and, and we don't accept them and we don't accept this and we don't accept that? And I look at church often, not St. Bernard's, everywhere else I've been. I look at church and, you know, there's something about us as people. Um, we love to judge. We love to label. We love to figure people out. We love to think we know better and they know less. I think as I tell my mari- people preparing for marriage, you know, I have never, ever, or very seldom gone into a conversation like this. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm probably wrong. Rather, I always go in thinking this. Of course I know what I'm talking about. I'm right, they're wrong. And my purpose now is to change them. Look, you need to think like me. If I do that, I suspect we all do it. I don't want to see any hands. How many people get into a conversation, I probably don't know what I'm talking about. I think I'm wrong. I, I, why should I even say this? Because I don't know. No, we all say, of course I'm right. Well, we can't all be right. Somebody's got to be wrong. And maybe it's me. So how much better if I said, well, I'm going to do my best. I think what I'm saying is right, but let me listen to the other people. Maybe they have some truth I don't see. At least have the humility, the humility to say, maybe somebody has more truth than I do. Or do we want to be like those children in the streets? We did this and you didn't respond. We did this and you didn't respond. What's wrong with you? You're a drunk. You're a demon. Hmm. As always, the scripture is like a big mirror and we look into it. We got to look into it and say, wow, is that me? Do I respond like that? And why? Because if I can humbly look at it that way, maybe it will call out of me something more maybe it will open me a little bit more to the promise that these scriptures are holding out for me.